Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's the My First Gig Podcast, whoa, sharing stories of first gigs and shows, comedian sharing their memories, the fun and entertaining, exciting and crazy, with Dwayne Dugan as your host, it's the My First Gig Podcast, here we go. Well, hello and welcome to my first gig podcast. Series one just ended last week. What am I doing back? I don't know. I guess we're decided we're all locked up in our houses. This is probably not the time to not do a podcast. This is a time to do a podcast. So look, series two is here many, many weeks, possibly many months earlier than I had planned with some quarantine recordings. So yeah, look. It's just mad that how much everything has changed in a week. Like things were getting a bit tough last week. But even in just the last seven days, you realise, okay, this isn't going to be a couple of weeks. This is going to be a couple of months. So we have a lot of free time on our hand. So we have a lot of free time on our hands. And I thought, right, let's use this. Guess who else is in the house? Other comedians. And if I'm willing to talk with comedians over the phone or online... Then let's record them. Usually, yeah, this is done in person. If I was going to interview the person next door, it would be online. So let's go further afield. So here's series two kicking off today. Going to be interviewing a whole host of great comedians over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully keep you a little bit busy during these very uncertain times. Hope you're all doing good. I said this last week. I guess I just mean it more now because it's, that was a week ago. Like I, I'm pretty sure I released that podcast. If this is 2020, I'm pretty sure I released that podcast in 1993. Got some software going here to interview comics from all over the globe. And starting today with my guest is the wonderful Todd Barry. I've been a fan of Todd Barry for quite some time now. His crowd work tour special that is on, I think, Amazon Prime and iTunes is one of my go-tos on a rainy day. So no doubt I'll be chucking that on over the next couple of weeks while we're all looking for things to do. Todd, a great comedian, based out of New York City. Numerous Comedy Central specials, Netflix special, Spicy Honey. He's got a book, thank you for coming to Hattiesburg. He was in The Wrestler. Anyone remember The Wrestler? I was a big fan of The Wrestler, I'm a big wrestling fan. Great film, Mickey Rourke, playing the beat-up wrestler. Randy the Ram. I design wrestling gear for WWE superstars, and one of the wrestlers I designed for is a guy called Kurt Hawkins. And we designed gear back in, oh God, 2011, I think based on Randy the Ram, kind of illuminous green with these white rams and kind of blackened, colourful trimmings on it. And, oh, who was is, who is Todd? Todd was like, was he the manager in the deli or something like that? And Mickey Rourke goes and puts his hand in the in the slicer. I think he was that. He was on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld a couple of years back. Fly the Concords. So much more. Sorry, if I'm distracted, my right foot is asleep. It's very asleep. So I'm just trying to... Do you know that moment when your foot's asleep and you go, right, it's over now. But then you move your foot and it feels like somebody's trying to kill your leg with your leg. Oh, God, it's in that moment now. I wish it wasn't. 
Oh yeah. So here we are. I, I, I'm I'm in my mother's house, as I said last week during this whole lockdown thing. So all my kit is up in Dublin, and I don't have my mic stands. I thankfully I've got my Zoom and I got my mic, but I don't have my mic stands. And we have a washing basket or linen basket to chuck your dirty clothes, and it's got a lot of holes in it. So I've actually just shoved my mic in that, and I've got just a linen basket sitting on the table here, and it's actually it's working fine. If you can hear me, good job, linen basket. So glad I spent fifty quid on. Mic stands that are too heavy to transport anyway. Maybe I'll buy some portable ones and that'll just be my non-portable ones when people come to my house. I get, I live I live in my girlfriend's mother's house, so no one's ever going to come. I I basically yeah I just I want to convince myself to buy my new mic stands so that I can justify the fact that I did waste my money on the old ones because I couldn't wait. Could have ordered off of Amazon and got them delivered, but no, I had to get them now. That's the story of my life, and you know what? That's probably why the podcast is coming out so quick. Yeah, we could have waited until May for the podcast series two to come back, but no, we literally didn't miss a single week. And now, it, no, is it is it series is it series one episode eleven? No, it's series two episode one. But there was no break. Yeah, but there was an intended break, and I couldn't wait. But then again, the world's going to end. So let's get them into you. Hope you enjoy our our, our our brief quarantine chat. Myself and Todd Barry. A little shout out to Luke Barry, aka MC Squared, aka Marion Armstrong. You'll only know him as Luke Barry, and even then, you won't. Helping me out today, trying to set all this stuff up. As I said, yeah, usually record in person, it's a lot easier. Just point a microphone at somebody's face and go, hey, speak into that. Whereas now it was like, hey, Dad, speak into this, please. And then if I couldn't hear him, I'd to say, oh, can you say that again and also change what you're doing? And you're like, he's giving up his time. And I'm like, hey, can you do something else for me, please? So, yeah, so appreciate Todd's time, appreciate Luke's time, appreciate your time coming in to listen to this. Yeah, my foot's doing that thing now. I just, I really don't care anymore. I'm just going to introduce this podcast now because, look, who cares? My leg's going to fall off. I'm going to, maybe this is the way I go. Maybe I'll never know what happens with this whole virus because I'll be killed by the leg. So, anyway, I'm going to go off and chop this off me and you can sit here and listen to my first gig with Todd Barry. I guess it's just like a lot of people's just weird, just eating too much and uh, deciding what you're allowed to do, what you're not, not allowed to do. But uh, yeah, it's just eating and trying to go for a walk and uh, not getting much work done. Kind of. Yeah. So I'm assuming all shows are done over there, are they? Oh, yeah. They've been done for a, a little while now. Yeah. Hopefully now this new kind of restrictions will be able to get to the end of it and nobody will ever have to have to listen or record to a comedy podcast ever again. Well, they could, you could go out there amongst the people. Yeah, what was your plan for 2020? I know you had the stadium tour. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I have hilariously titled stadium tour. Um, and as, uh, yeah, I was, I mean, I clearly wasn't playing stadiums, but I was playing places that were bigger than I usually play and I was selling tickets, so... Um, yeah, I, f- I had a, a four-city tour of uh, Washington State, including Seattle and Spokane, uh, um, a few weeks ago. That was pretty much right when Seattle was had it worse than anyone else, pretty much. So I flew to Seattle, found out my stuff was not going to happen, and flew home the next day. So, so like obviously, yeah, we don't know when things are going to resume. So is your tour is kind of on hold now at the minute, kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's my agent's working on. I'm like working from home, and he's rescheduled a lot of them, but there's probably a few that haven't been rescheduled yet. Yeah, I guess it's the uncertainty is just kind of very confusing. 
Yeah, I want to talk about your first ever gig today, but before we do, I want to ask you about your first memory of comedy. When I say your first memory of comedy, what do you think that would be? Oh, I mean, I don't know if it's my first memory. I mean, I remember way back buying like Steve Martin albums and and, uh, George Carlin. But I I also used to be, when I was like a, a teenager, I was into like, I don't know, I don't know if you had a big what your talk show culture is like over there. And I used to love watching those people. And I saw like David Letterman before, way before he was famous. And yeah, a lot of people. And it was kind of, so I, I liked watching stand-up comedy when I was younger, but I never wanted to do it. Yeah. So it was all, it was always on the television. Yeah. And I guess I watched, you know, like just various comedy movies, but which now I almost never want to see a comedy movie. But <laughs> So you'd seen stand-up, whether it be on the end of the talk shows or hearing the albums for quite some time. Do you remember when the first time you went and experienced live comedy was? Um, well, I actually, I think my father, when I was like 15, he either, I know the people I saw when I was young were, I used to go see shows. I, I went to see Seinfeld. I mean, this is way before he had a TV show and, and Jay Leno and, uh, and uh, well, actually Seinfeld I saw cause I was, he performed at a club that I worked at, but. But as far as buying a ticket, I mean, I, I saw Andy Kaufman twice, um, George Carlin, Sam Kinison. How did you discover this kind of like you know we like obviously exposed to it on on the TV, but all TV. I mean, it was back when there was there was no cable, and so it was you were you had like four stations. And so if a comic was on TV when there was only four channels, then it was much more uh, you know much more of a big deal as far as you know people seeing it. As you said, when you were watching like Letterman and all these people back in the day, you'd no aspiration to actually do it. So, no, I mean, I always tried to be funny, and I took acting classes in college, and and uh, you know, I always tried to be funny. But and I was in bands, and I would talk between songs and things. But as far as being a stand-up, it never interested me. And then it just at some point, I started going to open mic nights in uh, in Florida where I lived. And uh, this was during the comedy boom. Are you familiar with the comedy boom? I don't know if they had what comedy boom over there, but there was there was a comedy boom here in the kind of the the early eighties. Yeah, yeah, that same sounds like the same comedy boom. Hmm. Um, yeah, this is like early eighties, late eighties. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> there was comedy. Just, I mean, you could go to Florida and tour for two months if you wanted to, and just not leave Florida, which is. I mean, I live down there, but that's a that's a pretty nice deal if you're making a co- living as a comic and you get to spend two months in Florida and make not you know not just passable money, I guess. But so then I used to go to open mic nights and like now in open mic nights, I think in New York or you have to, you have to sign up or you have to you end up perform. It seems like they end up performing for people who are waiting to go on. Sure, yeah. When I started. They sort of had a. They would have the headliner shows, and one of and the headliner would be there sometimes six nights, and one of the nights they would have it, an open mic night, along with the headliner. So you could see, like five. I don't know how many open micers. Five, ten open micers, then maybe like a feature act, middle act, and then a headliner. I basically called up a place and said, "Can I try it?" And and I think one week they said we're booked, and then like the next week they said, "Sure, come in tomorrow." And uh, that's it. And May, uh, uh, November 1st, 1987, Coconuts Comedy Club, North Florida. 
what changed that? Like, was it going to see it and thinking I could do it? Or did you enter that club thinking you were going to try? I mean, I went and watched open mics and then it was just this thing that just kind of, I don't, I don't want to get too like spiritual about it, but just something hit me and just said, try this. I don't know. It's kind of like, I kind of equate it. It's like, this is a dumb thing to equate it, but like, just like, sometimes I'll just be like, oh yeah, I need a new laptop. And then I just go buy a laptop. It just kind of like this thing hits me where like a, I don't know, that laptop thing isn't a perfect analogy. <laughs> yeah. It just like, it just was like, oh, I, I want to try this. And then I tried it and it actually went really well. But I also had the advantage of, you know, a pumped late eighties audience who was like, couldn't believe there was comedy at the Howard Johnson's. And I guess if you were in bands and you'd taken like an acting classes, I'm guessing you weren't, you know, you were kind of familiar with performing or at least the want to perform. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd always wanted to perform. I think that I had visions of being an actor, even though I didn't study act. I studied acting. I, they let me take like three acting classes at the university of Florida, but I was an English major. So I wasn't really in the theater program, but they let me sort of hang out. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I did that and uh and then I just uh started uh you know there was there was like three clubs. There was a place called the Comic Strip in Fort Lauderdale. There was a place called the place I went on was Coconuts, which was a chain of comedy clubs, but I went on the North Miami Beach one. Then there was a great club in West Palm Beach called the Comedy Corner, which got all the big acts came through there. You know, that's that's where I saw Seinfeld and it was a really good club. And so I, I started doing their open mic. And I, then, so I would have this like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday pattern of performing. So we're saying 1987, before you asked to go on one of these shows, what's what's your life like in 1987? Are you working? Are you still in college? No, this is just this is about a year out of college. Um, I mean, I was I guess I was working various just temp jobs. And I was also a substitute teacher for a while. Um. I don't know what you call substitute teachers over there, but, uh, no, yeah. Substitute teacher. Okay. Well, that, that made that easy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I just did kind of nothing kind of no, like not like a big corporate job or a nine to five kind of a lot of temporary kind of jobs and, uh, flexible jobs. So I guess, yeah, if you weren't in any kind of, you know, here we go, this is the path, this is what I'm doing. Then, you know, maybe walking to this club is, you know, you were still looking to kind of maybe, find what the what the direction was yeah i don't think i i mean i don't recall going on thinking oh like i i remember going on getting off stage the very first time and it went really well and and i'm not being cocky it just happened to go really well i've since you know bombed hard many times but i just i had this weird like uneasy feeling like is my life changing now and uh i guess it did so when you when you asked to perform, that week was busy, but come back the following week. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, this is also a, a 32-year-old memory, but that's it, yeah. So you've got like maybe a week or so to prepare for this. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was very prepared. That's another thing. I wrote out every word and memorized every word. How long are we talking? Five minutes? It was a five-minute set. Five-minute set. So if you've never performed like this, you say that, you know, you kind of, you'd always tried to be funny. You talked while you were in the band's. What do you do then, though, when you now know, right, I need to fill A to B, zero to five? How how do you go about writing for that first set? With a- you know, pretty generic topics. And I, 
I just wrote out my, yeah, I just wrote it out and I, I, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd seen enough. I was, I was a student of stand up on some level, a fan of it, I should say. So I knew what a comic sounded like. Mm. So I just wrote it out and I just memorized it. And cause I, I do see a lot of, I don't, I always feel like, uh, I mean, people don't ask my advice all the time, but I always think that I, sh- like people should try to perform as if they're doing a paid show. And I'm glad that I, because I don't know, I, I'm I'm glad that I didn't go up there with a napkin and kind of just look at it every 30 seconds for five minutes. But that's just the way I prefer to work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That day, what's that day look like? Are you working that day? Oh, it was a Sunday, so I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing I didn't work. But, I mean, I don't remember which job I had when I started it could have been a waiter i was a waiter for a while but um yeah so i mean i I don't remember how long it took me to write it i just do remember writing it out and i remember memorizing it and i remember being nervous but also like surprised that i was able to do it and just kind of yeah ready rehearsed knowing what you need to say yeah and i just i do remember thinking wow i can't believe i did that but and what's what's the night look like? Is this one of those shows that has a load of open micers and then a feature act? Yeah, yeah, it was that. I think that was a night. But it was also, yeah, it was. And actually, weirdly, the comic who was headlining is someone who is, I don't know if you know Ron Bennington, but he's he's got a serious satellite TV, a radio show and he's a comic and he's a funny guy. And uh, yeah, he's in New York now. And, you know, I do his radio show and I have to remind people like this. This guy saw my my very first performance. So, and tell me about that performance. Do you remember? Do you remember your opening joke, by any chance? Oh, yeah, I remembered. It was two topics I covered, which was working at McDonald's, which is revolutionary, and then I talked about circumcision. I don't know. How, I don't know how I linked those two, but uh, um, 
somewhere in I don't know if it exists, but I did tape my first ever set, and I don't I don't even know if I'll ever be able to dig it up. But memories of performing that night, you say it went pretty well. Yeah, it went very it went very well. Yeah, and I remember like the MC going, "His first time on stage, his first time on stage," and uh, yeah. Did you tell people you were, you were doing it? Did you go kind of privately? I may have had a friend or two there. But I mean, I've never been someone who like is wants people. I prefer to perform for strangers unless I'm trying to show off for a woman or something or so someone who can help my career. Otherwise, it's like uh, I don't I don't usually I'd prefer to just go there by myself and play to strangers. But so I, I, I may I may have had one friend there, though. When you came off stage that night, like you say that you, you got that feeling that your life was changing. or yeah. that Something must have changed. What happened after that then? Is this now a thing that you're going, right, I must do this. I must continue this. I went through like an eight-month period. Like I, like down there, you could start getting paid road work almost immediately because it was a small, kind of a small pond thing. And if you went up and got laughs. And I remember a guy handed me a card. I think it was after my first, might have been my first ever open mic. And he asked me to open. I don't know if I ended up doing this. Open for a guy named... Well, I don't know if it's a guy. I don't know how they would identify themselves now. They were sort of a gender-neutral type performer named Tubby Boots. I'd like a cabaret act or something, but I don't know what happened to them. But that was a weird thing. Like I can't believe because I'd seen the ads for Tubby Boots in like the Miami Herald or the Fort Lauderdale News, and, and I don't remember if I opened for them. But uh, but yeah, there was also a lot of one-nighters, and I started doing those almost immediately. And in retrospect, there's a lot of times I go, I don't know how I, because I still struggle. I'm still nervous about doing my, my time. Yeah. So I'm still like, I have a clock on stage usually. And I try, it's, you know, I'm getting more disciplined about not looking at it every five minutes, but there is still part of me that is like, oh man, do I have enough material? So there must've been, there were times, you know, you went through a long period of time where you're like, I'm doing every joke I've written. There's no, yeah, not like, what am I doing tonight? It's like, I'm doing everything. <laughs> Give them the whole lot. But yeah. So I, um, I think I just pursued like various little Florida road gigs, but I remember, uh, for eight months I was like, I'm not a comedian. I'm not trying to be a comedian. And then at some, I think at some point, like eight months in, I was like, I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> How long did you keep that at a waiting job or those temp jobs going then? I worked, you know, after, then I moved to New York about a year after doing, doing it in Florida. I moved back to New York. I was actually born here, but, um, I, you know, I had, I, I wish I knew the exact, I probably quit after six years of doing comedy. Cause I do remember one time substitute teaching and doing like a regional TV show which I didn't think anyone saw, but I came to school the next day and like kids had seen it on the way. Yeah. So that was kind of like, Oh my, you really are watching stand up on channel nine. But, uh, yeah. So I, I guess I did it for, at some point I just was like, Oh yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to work anymore. And when you think back to the, those early days, the kind of the open the open mics in, uh, in in Miami, was there any names that you remember? Obviously, you mentioned the the closing act that night, but was there names that you remember that you kind of would have gigged along with that kind of went went a while, or maybe even still still? Oh yeah, today? I mean, I have I have my well, I mean, one of my oldest comedy friends, a guy named Tom Ryan, who's a New York comic, who 
I, we were kind of on the open mic scene together. Um, actually, weirdly, um, two people who I started with in the same scene were Carrot Top. Um, you're familiar with him, right? Carrot Top. <laughs> he's a very he's a very famous prop comic in the states. And then there was also a guy named um, who ended up being Larry the Cable Guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Because his he used to go by just Dan Whitney, and he drove me to one of my first gigs in like a in his Firebird or or Ferrari or what not Ferrari Firebird or Cat Camaro, but um, yeah. So th- those guys who are and they're they're pretty famous guys now. And then there was guy Dennis Regan, whose brother is Brian Regan, who's really funny, and they're both really funny brothers. And um, yeah, and then I you know I got to work with people who open for people like. Uh, that was the thing you could get. They would get good acts like the Comedy Corner, and you could open for you know a guy named Richard Jenny. I opened for, but like Emo Phillips came through there and a lot, and Seinfeld, and pretty much everyone came through that club who was still doing clubs. So it was a healthy scene that you can have, as you said, this comedy boom from the early eighties was still going. Yeah, there was a lot of. Uh, wasn't a lot. I mean, there were hell gigs. There were like the one nighters, but you would also get paid for them. So there was a lot of like, you know, somewhat possibly shady promoters who would just walk, go into a restaurant and go find like one little area where they could put a stage or not, or a microphone and a shitty PA. And they'd be like, and I imagine they just said, Hey, I could get you a comedy. You want to do a comedy night every Thursday? I'll, I'll do all the work and get you the comics. And, and then you'd get like whatever money to do. 20 minutes or an hour or half hour or whatever. So I did a show with Ray Romano when I moved to New York shortly after I moved to New York, it was like a, like a kosher restaurant, I think where they clearly no one was there for a show and you're just, they're talking and you're like, you can't get mad at them because you're like, well, you didn't, you had this show sort of thrust upon you that you didn't ask for. Um, but yeah, there's there was a lot of people who didn't know how to do a show, like or put on a show. Yeah, I think of my friend kind of coined the phrase that we went in and we heckled their dinners. Exactly, that's that's a good way to describe it. You mentioned earlier that um, if you if you were going to give advice to people to make sure to always treat a gig like it's a paid gig. So I guess in that sense, if we could take Todd Barry today and bring him back the coconuts that night and just before you're going to go on stage if you if you pulled yourself aside and had a minute with yourself what do you think today you'd say to to yourself back then um actually i mean i'm i mean there's other things i'd give myself advice to but i think i handled that pretty well actually i think i i mean sure the material wasn't you know revolutionary topics that i covered but i think that uh you know i prepared and i I think I did a pretty good job, but it was also a nice, it was a nice environment to, to make your debut, like almost probably nicer than a lot of comics. Do you think that contributed to you wanting to continue? I, that's a good, that's a good question. I never thought about that. Oh, uh, my cat. Sorry. The, uh, I, I haven't thought about that. Like what if I had bombed hard that night? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that would have discouraged me. That now I wish I wish that I had bombed. I wish there was a way of seeing how that would pan out. But yeah, it's interesting because you know, yeah, you'd have to imagine like there, there there must be something that could turn people away. Like you see some people's first gigs and there's it's not 
not a well populated place, not a nice set up place, etc. And just you'd have to imagine like you might get encouragement to want to better it or who knows. But I guess so, yeah, in that, in that same kind of idea, those kind of like little nuggets of advice, like always treat a gig like a pay gig. Would you have any other advice like that for a, a comic starting out? Oh, yeah, I have a lot. I have a lot of little things. I think, um, well, when people ask me, and from time to time, a comic will come up to me and say, do you have any advice? And I, I give them something that sounds generic and they don't always want to hear it, but it is the best advice, which is just write jokes and go on stage and do jokes. I mean it's this it's the it's going to be your weapon and because there, there's a lot of people who are just too they're focused on the business and like when should i get a manager and it's like you have six minutes of bad material so no a manager's not gonna they, they want to be in the business more than they want to do comedy yeah and um so i would say just be patient write go on stage make it your life make it your daily your social life you'll meet people and hang out have that social stimulation um i'd say work on it if you get a hosting job i don't know how do they do the hosts in ireland uh do they do they do a lot of like crowd work yeah yeah i would i'm from the i would say don't do that um but that's a whole separate conversation we could get into but uh yeah, because I see I see newer comics. They often use newer comics. I don't know how it is over there, but not a lot of like headliners hosting. And then these these comics just waste their time with like who's celebrating a birthday. It's like you'd be working on a on an act rather than getting the audience. I don't. It, to me, it just gets the audience in stupid mode, and it doesn't get them listening. And the MC should get them listening. I just like an a, I like a show. If I have someone open for me, I go just get right into it. Like we're at a big theater, even if we're at a 150 seat club. But uh, so I would say that I'd say don't bug. Try not to, you know, try not to bug people and ask too much of them. Like, I don't don't ask someone to watch a 20 minute set of yours if you've never met this person before. Things like that, um, and just hang in there. And it's and I would also say it's always it's always going to be frustrating. 30 years in, you're going to be angry about shit. <laughs> yeah, it never ends. I would say on some level, it never ends. And yeah, there's still battles that I, you know, think that make me angry about it. Or um, what else would I say? Yeah, just be patient and just uh, think of it as, uh, I mean, just imagine if you're trying to, if you're focusing on the business, if you're thinking about that, the way you're going to impress someone who's going to make you money is by having a good act. And then once you do that, then it's hard to argue with anything else unless you're an asshole. Yeah. It's the old talk to talk and walk to walk. Like if you, if you can't back up what you're saying on stage. Yeah. I mean, if you're just confidence and not, and there's nothing there, but I would also say that, um, you know, some of the, some comics take a while to get their footing in there. Just don't be discouraged from doing something that's interesting on stage because it might not work because you haven't figured out how to deliver it. But always shoot, always aim high is what I would say. Thank you so much. Cheers for your time. All right, man. Always aim high, says Todd Barry. And always aim high, says Dwayne Dugan. And I know you did because you're listening to this podcast and not another one. Huh? Ugh. Yeah, if you're if you're listening to this and you listen to my earlier ramble, my leg's still at me. 
Um, it hasn't been at me for half an hour. It's just I literally am recording the outro right after the intro. Like I recorded the chat with Todd earlier and then I recorded the intro and then my leg went at me and I pressed stop and then I pressed record and this is where I am now. But literally in my head, despite having already conducted the interview, I said, right, I'm going to stop this here, introduce the podcast and then by the time the podcast is over, my leg will be better. But it's actually half an hour ago. I'm letting you in on the, the tricks there behind the curtain. You're seeing the... uh. Not the wizard behind the curtain, but the, the world-famous podcaster. That's right, Dwayne Dugan, world-famous podcaster. And also a very funny boy. I do try and do comedy when the government and the pandemic allows. If uh, if you'd like to keep up with my goings-on, then you can follow me at Dwayne Dugan. Go over and follow Todd now, at Todd Barry. Unlike me, he is a verified celeb. That follow will be worth a little more to you if you don't already. Todd, fantastic on Twitter, as I said. He won't be doing shows for a while, so he'll be on Twitter. So why don't you go on Twitter and say, hey, Todd Barry, I listened to you on my first gig podcast. It was good. Because no one's ever actually done that yet. I've said every week, if you like it, tell the person on Twitter. I'm waiting for someone to tell them this week, hey, heard you on that podcast. It was good. Because it's not like the UK and Ireland where these things pop up in the charts and the guests might see it and go, oh, there's a podcast I did. This isn't going to reach New York. So we need to reach New York. Hands Across the World Part 2 via Twitter and the My First Gig podcast. Go watch his special Spicy Honey on Netflix. Go watch his other special Crowdwork Tour on Amazon Prime. Go to Amazon and buy his book. Then come right back to Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and say, I just listened to a great podcast with a great host and a great guest. It's called the My First Gig podcast. You should go listen to it. I've had a great time because we've all got free time. 10 back-to-back episodes of the My First Gig podcast. Head on over to myfirstgig.com for the archives. All the season one. And then come back here next Wednesday. Will I do them every week? Yeah, look, do them every week. If that changes, I'll let you know. Come back next Wednesday to see who's on episode two of the quarantine recordings. Follow online to get a little sneak peek as to who that might be. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you stay safe. Hope you wash your hands. And look, open the curtains and change your underwear. They say you only preach what you need to hear. And right now, I'm off to change and open the windows. Haven't seen daylight in feels like months. See you next week, guys. Bye. It's the My First Gig Podcast. Whoa.